It is so good to be gathered together for worship this morning. For those of you who I have not met yet, I am Jake Elliott. I'm the, one of the associate pastors here um, and the pastor over the, of the worship ministry. And we've been going through a series in the book of First Peter, so we're going to continue in that series this morning. So we'll start with the scripture. Wives, in the same way, accept the authority of your husbands, so that even if some of them do not obey the word, they may be won over without a word by their wives' conduct when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Do not adorn yourselves outwardly by braiding your hair and by wearing gold ornaments or fine clothing. Rather, let your adornment be the inner self. Sorry, my eyes are. Rather, let your adornment be the inner self with the lasting beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in God's sight. It was in this way long ago that the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by accepting the authority of their husbands. Thus Sarah obeyed Abraham and called him Lord. You have become her daughters as long as you do what is good and never let fears alarm you. Husbands, in the same way, show consideration for your wives in your life together, paying honor to the woman as the weaker sex, since they too are also heirs of the gracious gift of life, so that nothing may hinder your prayers. Amen. There is more than meets the eye to this passage. Like every passage, every passage of this living, active Word of God, there are gifts. There are gifts in this passage for those willing to stare it straight in the face with a teachable heart. It requires no disclaimers, nor does it require a prior knowledge of where I, as today's teacher, stand on the spectrum of conservative or progressive views on marriage. All it requires is a thorough understanding of its original motive. Its original motive as a letter of shepherding the church. So let's go to work, but first, let's pray and ask the Holy Spirit to be our teacher this morning. So God, we are thankful that you're here We don't have to ask for you to come. We've experienced your presence in worship. And so now we open ourselves to to you, Holy Spirit. Would you be our teacher this morning? In Jesus' name, amen. To approach this passage as a manual for an ideal Christian marriage would be like, trying to tighten a screw with a wrench. 
It doesn't fit the tool because, because the tool was not made for that type of hardware. Although, sadly, history is full of Bible readers who did approach it this way. Today, we will look at the historical disciple Peter and his motives in writing these words to Christians, Christians not living in a society built on Christian values or built on a foundation of generational Christian faith. No, Christians spread out in the Roman Empire, full of its own cultural norms, including pagan idol worship and top-down power structure from emperor working its way, trickling its way through a social hierarchy that put women and those in slavery at the bottom of society. Homoios, no, homoios, got my vowels mixed up there. Homoios. This is the first word in this passage. It's a Greek word, one word that translates in the NRSV, the translation we use here, as in the same way. So this is the word that he opens this passage addressing all the wives. And then he uses the same word to address all husbands. All wives who follow Jesus. All husbands who follow Jesus. And reading this out of context, a passage opening with, in the same way, should make us wonder, in the same way as what? Wives, in the same way, respect the authority and so on. In the same way as what? Well, if you were here last week, you heard Pastor Colleen teach on Peter writing to disciples of Jesus, addressing disciples of Jesus who lived as slaves in this society. So Peter clearly, plainly, with this word, homoios, he is clearly connecting these three chunks of instructions to those in slavery, wives, husbands. He, Peter, is addressing all disciples of Christ equally in how to live within societal roles which were their reality. In other words, Peter using homoios in the same way, you wives, you husbands, you have the same call. Although it will play out differently given your various statuses in society, in Jesus, you are all called to the same charge and are, the, are all called as the same recipients of the same blessing. These social Roles were already deeply embedded. And changing them was not Peter's focus. But what this means is that it is clear that the hierarchy of the social authority 
described here by Peter is not his prescription for an ultimate ideal for Christian relationships. Current biblical scholars agree that the audience of this letter was mostly Gentiles who had received the gospel. Gentiles living throughout the Asia Minor in the Roman Empire who had received the gospel rather than converted Jews, although there may have been some. But this is important because the original recipients of this letter were not Jewish Christians building off of their former traditions as God's people. These were Gentiles learning how to lead new lives as disciples of Jesus in their own homes within the empire. Earlier in this letter, Paul says, Beloved, I urge you as aliens and exiles. So knowing that these are Gentile converts in their own homelands gives clarity to this phrase. Because it means Peter's saying, although you're in your own homes, you now choosing to follow Jesus and to follow his way, you are like a foreigner. Your lives will be like that of a foreigner, an exile in a pagan and idol-worshiping society in which you have lived your whole lives. Over this past year that Brian and I lived in Scotland and worked with asylum seekers and refugees from the Middle East, we made really deep relationships with people who had the challenge of fitting into a totally new and different society, wanting both to fit in, fit into Scotland society, live well, and keep their proud Persian heritage alive. As wholehearted new disciples of Jesus, they wanted to turn away completely from certain religious practices of their homeland while wanting to cherish the good traditions of their loved families. So they would understand more than anyone this balance that Peter was encouraging in these early disciples. Pursuing a new way of living in the way of Jesus while acknowledging the need to live well in society. So this is Peter, not as a revolutionary, but neither as a misogynist or complementarian or egalitarian, not as a bishop laying out a new standard for marriage in a society built on Christian values. No, but Peter as a shepherd of a radical movement, a spreading gospel of new life and freedom, a shepherd providing guidance for followers of Jesus in this pagan land. And these early disciples, whether men or women, slaves or free, they can be role models for all of us, for each of us. So I encourage you to receive all 
of these gifts of, of instruction. Although they were originally sectioned intentionally and specifically to wives, husbands, we can all learn from the heart behind each of these, from Peter's heart. The first motive I see Peter wanting for these disciples is peace, living well, representing respect of authority, of societal authorities, so as not to be seen as a group of renegades. But there's another more subtle motive here as well, evangelism, spreading faith in Jesus. So let's look at it part by part. Wives, in the same way, accept the authority of your husbands so that even if some of them do not obey the word, they may be won over without a word by their wives' conduct when they, say the, when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. The striking thing here is that this instruction is is especially for women who are married to non-believers, men who do not believe in Jesus. This is not primarily for a Christian couple. This is primarily for a disciple of Jesus, a woman who is in a home with a non-believer. Imagine hearing the gospel and believing, but your spouse who culturally holds authority in the marriage, does not believe. Peter's specific call to respect, purity, reverence, adornment of the inner self, are not rules or expectations for a woman in a Christian household. They are a call to actions of faith with the hope of softening the heart of an unbeliever. These are actions that could speak louder than the words that this society allowed these women in hope that a a loved one will follow Jesus. So couldn't these same actions inspire any of us today, men or women, wanting to influence faith in those we love? Peter uses the Old Testament role model, Sarah, the wife of Abraham, to show the potential result of these actions. If you are familiar with the story of Abraham and Sarah, think about what is implied when Peter says, you have become her daughters. This is what God promises to Abraham regarding Sarah in Genesis 17. This is one of the quotes on the front of your bulletin. Let's see, is it in here? No, it's not. We'll stay on here for a minute. I will bless her and also give her a son, give you a son by her. I will bless her and she shall give rise to nations. Kings of peoples shall come from her. So when Peter equated these actions to those of Sarah, He gave hope to Gentile women, disciples of Jesus in a pagan culture, married to unbelieving husbands. He gave them hope that they might be matriarchs 
of thousands of generations of Jesus followers, of God's people, leaders, leaders of the church of Jesus. What a call. So sisters and brothers, I don't know about you, but I have loved ones who don't believe in Jesus. I have people who hold authority in my life. These New Testament wives can be a role model for representing Jesus to these people in our lives, representing Jesus with respect of authority, purity, adorning our inner selves with gentle and quiet spirits, which is enduring, strong, enduring, and precious in God's sight. Paul in Philippians says, let your gentleness be known by all. And there, Paul was not only addressing women. Further, Peter says, it was in the same way, let's see, this is where I was, okay, we're, we're jumping ahead a little here. Further, he says, you have become Sarah's daughters as long as you do what is good and never let fears alarm you. Again, if you know the story of Sarah, this encouragement is directly related to her. For Sarah did succumb to fears. She had fears and she succumbed to them. If you know the story, God made a promise, but she sent in to Abraham, her servant, Hagar, in order to take matters into her own hands out of fear. And this caused much pain for her, for Hagar, for Ishmael, her, their, Hagar's son. But it was when Sarah later surrendered, she surrendered to the true promises of God and it was then that she became the mother of an entire nation. So not only are these instructions not meant to oppress, not meant to oppress, but meant to empower, give authority, give agency to influence these women's families, not only is it not meant to oppress, but to empower, but it is meant to induce faith, not fear. These words of Peter are not meant to induce fear or oppression, but faith and empowerment. So Sarah is a role model for learning from a mistake, learning from succumbing to fear, and instead choosing to overcome it and trust in God. Husbands in the same husbands in the same way show consideration for your wives in your life together. Paying honor to the woman as the weaker sex since they too are also heirs in the gracious gift of life so that nothing may hinder your prayers. This verse has been misused as 
Scripture's view of women as less than, less capable, weak. This is an absolute misinterpretation and misuse of these words, which have tragically been used for the oppression of women. But the fact is that Peter's point here is clearly, clearly instructions for husbands to practice paying honor where there is otherwise a lack of honor prescribed by society. Peter was not prescribing a biblical truth about women here. He was naming what would have been a default, a given in this society, in this ancient society, in order to call men, men, to radical honoring of their wives. Radical, countercultural honoring of their wives. Think about the, the choice of verb Peter uses here. Paying honor. Pay honor. When I pay, I give something up. I give something up that's mine. Like money to pay a tax. What was mine, I am asked to pay it, so I, I give it up. So paying honor meant that Peter instructed these men to give out of the honor that they automatically, because of their physical strength or stature or social status, that they automatically had. But to do so in the same way, homoios, in the same way as his call to disciples who were wives or in slavery. Karen Jobes, a contemporary biblical scholar, points out that although it would have been more common for a wife to take on the religion of her husband, she may not have accepted belief in Jesus in her heart. And so this payment of honor to spouse was not only countercultural and radical, it was also evangelistic, representing the gospel of Jesus with actions. And what is Peter's main reasoning behind this? It is the radical concept that men and women, husbands and wives, are joint heirs of God's gracious gift of life. Think about that. That in this culture where the heir was the son always, the heir was the male in this culture. But that in the gospel of Jesus, Peter says, women and men together are co-heirs in his kingdom. This translation says, for they too are also heirs. But the Greek uses a single word. And it's translated in other places as joint heirs, including in Romans, where Peter says, you, we, adopted as God's children, are co-heirs with Christ. Same word, exact same word, joint heirs. So do you see 
that when you read this passage looking for its intended message, it is absolutely radical. It is radical. It was and is instructions on how to be radical disciples of Jesus within the social realities of the day. Whether man or woman, slave or free, instructions for living as citizens of a kingdom of equality, even in a deeply embedded social realities of the Roman Empire or whatever social realities we face today. Esau McCulley, a biblical scholar and author, puts it beautifully in his book, Reading While Black. He says, the Christian's call includes bearing witness to a different and better way of ordering our societies in a world whose default instinct is oppression. To do less would be to deny the kingdom. The gospel pushes systems of human inequality toward radical equality, injustice toward justice. This passage is an example of real people in that process. And isn't it amazing that the largest movement, global movement, in human history was rooted in respect of authority and honor? If that isn't proof of the power of the Holy Spirit, then I do not know what is. And although rooted in these things, history is full of Bible readers who have misused and abused this passage, this very passage, and others like it. Many not maliciously, but still failing to realize the importance of understanding its context, and yet others who have misused and abused women. And we lament that. Our Free Methodist Book of Discipline states this, Free Methodists recognize that God gives spiritual gifts of service and leadership to both men and women. Since male and female are both created in the image of God, that image is most fully reflected when both women and men work in concert at all levels of the church. Therefore, all positions in the church are accessible to any whom God has called. I read this because as free Methodists, our tradition has already aimed to live this out. But my goal for today is that none of us feel that we need to avoid passages like this or cross them out in our minds when we think of the New Testament or to approach them with any anxiety or write them off as outdated. No, this is the living, active word of God. This is an example 
This passage is an example of Scripture's truth, not as an ideal standard that Peter was neatly rolling out, but as a perfect, perfect example of the messy work of engaging in an unjust world with the hope of Jesus. A perfect example of being part of the process of radical movement toward kingdom equality. So, from this passage, I encourage you to see these New Testament disciples, both wives and husbands, represented in this passage as role models for all of us. I believe that all of us, men and women, have things to learn from Peter's instructions to these wives and these husbands. Because like them, we too are disciples living as foreigners and aliens in a broken world and secular society. So I want to invite you to respond to this today, here and now. If you feel, as we sing in a few moments, if you feel led to repent for ways that, that you have not honored and want a fresh start taking after these disciples. Or if you want to say, God, I want to be more like these role models of honor. I want to be more like them. I want to honor. If you'd like to respond in either of those ways, I invite you to come kneel at the altar as we sing this response song together. I will be there kneeling at the altar. Also, Pastor Danielle will be at the front right after the service. If anyone would like prayer, if this has led you to, to want prayer for anything, I invite you to take advantage of that. So let's respond as we sing together, I Surrender. Thank you for listening. If you would like to learn more about the Free Methodist Church of Santa Barbara, you can visit us online at fmcsb.org. We pray this message has been a blessing to you.